This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's unnecessary roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down. End zone. Touchdown. Touchdown Raiders. Would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, live from the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Your boy Q got my man Damon Cotton live in the studio. And right now on the phone lines, pleased to have Brian Custer. You can find him on ESPN Sports Center. Also has the podcast, The Last Stand Podcast. Very good podcast. Uh, Showtime Boxing does a fantastic job for that. And, Brian, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. Uh, checking you out Saturday night at the Canelo Plant uh, fight and, and, and the whole card, which I thought was a great card. But I uh, wanted to ask you, man, what was the electricity like inside the arena, the MGM Grand, because it looked like it was a star-studded affair, and what a great card. It just felt very electric just watching it through the TV. Well, I mean, I think what you saw is exactly um, what it was. I mean, there was well over 16,000 inside um, the MGM Grand Garden Arena, so they had to sell out um, loud. And, you know, there's a reason why Canelo is pound for pound uh, the face of boxing. I mean, he brings people out. Um, that crowd was very loud. Either they were, you know, cheering Canelo or Mexico, um, but it was just a really good atmosphere. That's what you want uh, for the sport. That's what you want when you have not only a world championship fight, but you're fighting to be undisputed. You want that kind of atmosphere, and it had all of that, and, and you had A-listers there, too. So it was it was a phenomenal venue and atmosphere for that kind of fight yeah it really was and i'm telling you the card as you very well know was a great card and one of my favorite fights was the one right before canelo the anthony Durrell and marcos hernandez i was at the house watching i kept calling it flint michigan versus fresno california and and flint michigan won Durrell knocked him out with a, a uppercut that i thought came from across the mgm what did you think of that fight and especially the way that it ended with the big knockout yeah, you know, I was I was really um, really happy uh, for uh, Durrell because you know th- that was a fight that you know he needed and you know he wants another title shot and he knew he had to have a really spectacular showing if he's going to get any inkling or if anyone's going to look at Anthony Durrell to give him another shot. They needed to see that he still is one of the elites at 168, and he certainly proved that. Um, with that that uh, uppercut to Marcos Hernandez, even just Marcos's reaction afterwards, where he was crossing his arms, laying there flat on the mat, just shows you how how nasty that punch was. And look, Dog Durrell is is a great fighter. I mean, you look at uh, the the loss he had to Benavides; he got cut. Uh, in that one, so that certainly affected that. He felt like he beat Kyron Davis where he got the draw, um, but he showed that he's still one of the top guys at 168. Yeah, he is, and and he's 37 years old, and, and his story, I thought his story was fascinating when uh, I was listening to it on the broadcast. His wife actually had to basically talk him back into the ring. What did you just think about the story that is Anthony Jarrell? Yeah, so it was one of those things where I think after the draw, he was like, you know, I, I, maybe this is it. I mean, uh, I'm not getting uh, what I think I deserve. And his wife was like, no, you're still an elite fighter. Fight. Uh, because when it's over, it's over. I don't want you to put one foot in, one foot out, and say, okay, I'm 
done and then come back like a year later and say, no, I think I want to do it again. She's like, I, when, you, when it is over, we want you home 24-7 and get you out of the sport. And so, um, you know, he said he owed it to her uh, to go ahead and keep fighting, and that's what he wants. But, you know, again, he says he only wants big fights from here on out, you know, big world title type fights. You know, Canelo's not the guy who has all the belts. But, you know, listen, not only does Darrell, who's a two-time world champion, want him, so does Jamal Charlo, who is ringside, and so does David Benavidez, who you'll see on Showtime Championship Boxing this coming Saturday. Nice, very nice. We're talking right now with ESPN's Brian Custer. He was at uh, the Canelo and Plant fight for Showtime Boxing, did a fantastic job. And just thinking about that fight, Canelo and Plant, what did you think of the job that Plant does, who actually keeps his home here in Las Vegas? Uh, what did you think of how he hung in there? Just to me, it didn't seem like he had the power to knock out uh, Canelo when he did get some good shots in. Yeah, I think, I think you know, I think you're – um, your assessment is right on. I thought he, I thought Caleb Plant fought really well. I mean, he showed the lateral movement. I think even Canelo even uh, admitted after the fight. He said, "Hey, look, his movement and things was a lot more difficult uh, than I thought it was going to be." And it took him to maybe a like he thought maybe it took him three rounds to finally get to Caleb. And as you can see, it took him to almost six, seven, eight before he finally said, "Okay, I, I can finally start getting to this guy." You know, Canelo's a great body puncher, and when he threw those body punches, you heard those throughout the building. That's how loud those body punches were. But I thought Caleb fought really well. Uh, he showed why he's a champion. And I think, you know, again, had he uh, had maybe a little bit more power, that fight could have been different. But, you know, some of those shots Canelo walked through, and, and that was the difference, I think, in the fight. What makes Canelo, in your opinion, as special as he is? You know, here's the, here's, here's the thing that, that, that I'm always amazed. It is rare that you find a fighter who is 30 or older who gets better with every fight. Mm, okay. You know, when, when's the last time you've seen a fighter where you're like, man, this guy gets better with every fight? <laughs> Canelo gets better. And uh, to me, that is the greatness of of Canelo Alvarez. I mean, he we know he can punch. He's got probably one of the best double left hooks in the business. But his movement, the way his defense is and the way he moves, hey, look, that man can fight. And, listen, Canelo, uh, Caleb's a special fighter. He's an elite fighter. It's just Canelo's time now. Uh, and I, I think everyone is witnessing that, that it's Canelo's time right now. And, I, I, you know, I, listen, he says he wants to stay at 168 and defend his belts. Uh, he wants to fight, he told me, in May. Um, he wants to give him his body a rest, but May is when he said he would like to come back. And i tell you what, um, from my understanding, I, I did hear from one of my good friends that they had a meeting uh, with uh, the PBC and Charlo's people. I think that would be a great fight, and hopefully that fight can come to fruition. I think, you know, Charlo would be a great fight, and Benavidez, and those are the type of fights that Canelo says he wants in the future. Nice. That'll, that'll be all eyes on that for sure. I mean, anytime Canelo's in action, we're definitely going to be paying attention. Again, we're talking right now with Brian Custer from ESPN, talking about the Canelo and the, uh, the, the Caleb Plant fight that happened on Saturday night here in Las Vegas. As far as the other fights, Vargas and Baez, Vargas wins unanimous decision. Rodriguez knocks out, uh, gets a KO and, and gets a mm -hmm. victory. Did you think, what do you think about those two fights on the card as well? Yeah, I thought it was good for Ray Vargas. I mean, listen, Ray Vargas, great champion at 122 and, you know, coming up to 126. And, 
uh, you know, we haven't seen him in two years. He had the promotional issues that, he, uh, that kept him out of the ring for a year, and then he breaks his leg last year training, uh, running the mountains. So it was, you know, good to see him back in the ring. But, you know, he, he's a problem for anybody, really, at one point. He's so tall and so long, and, you know, he can keep you at range with his stick and his movement. Uh, so that's the one reason why he's unbeaten and why he's such a problem. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, Rodriguez, the other fight we have was, was uh, very entertaining. That knockout um, was good. Um, I, I like that people got their money's worth. Right. And that's, for me, when it comes to pay-per-view, I just want fans to get They got it not only in the undercard, but more importantly in the main event. It lived up to the hype. It went 11, and it was all that you uh, – thought it should be i think for for vargas i think i would love to see you know, listen the wbc had ordered he and gary russell jr to fight we know gary russell jr fights once a year right. but i would love to see ray vargas and gary russell jr get it on yeah no doubt about it we're talking again with brian custer from espn my man demond cotton's back in the home studio go ahead demond you got a question yeah you had recently talked to terrence crawford and, and in my opinion he is in that pound for pound area i think he's at the top of the list but he just hasn't had those fights to um basically to show what he can do what, got do one now yeah exactly so <laughs> coming up what are you what are you expecting from him and uh sean porter that big fight a dog fight um you're right i mean he hasn't had one of those fight at 147 to show that you know hey look Believe the hype when I when I say I'm one of the pound for pound best, and you know you you talk to Terrence Crawford, he'll tell you I'm number one, not Canelo. But you know you want to see him in, with some of that top competition. Um, I, I think this is going to be a really good fight because you know Sean, who lives there in Vegas, trains hard, so you know whenever you fight in Sean Porter. You better be in shape because he's going to be in shape to go all 12. He's a guy that's going to try to come forward and bully you. Uh, you would think he plays for the Raiders by the way <laughs> he comes at you and try, you know, because he has that football mentality. Uh, and it's going to be a dogfight. So for Terrence Crawford, I think, you know, that, that check left hook he has is going to be key. Distance is going to be key for him. And that's the thing about Terrence Crawford, though, is that, you know, he can box you, but he can bang with you as well. Um, and he, he can switch, you know, so he can fight orthodox and he can fight southpaw. That's going to be uh, very key, too, is when he switches. Um, I think it's going to be one heck of an all-action fight because Sean Porter really wants to become a champion again, and Terrence Crawford wants to show everyone that he is the best at 147, and he knows this is the kind of fight he needs to win if he's going to get uh, Errol Spence. I think, you know, Errol in a perfect world would like uh, to fight your Dennis Ugas because he wants that, he wants that belt, that WBA belt that your Dennis Ugas has. And I think he wants to kind of set up a thing where he has three of the belts. If Crawford wins... Uh, then it's like, okay, here we go. Let's get it. You know, the, we can finally fight here in 2022, and the winner would be the undisputed champion at 147. And, and according to Arrow, he's not moving up to 154 until he becomes, he says, the undisputed champion at 147. Oh, man, that was going to be my next question there because I was going to ask, how do we get Crawford, how do we get him and Spence to make that fight happen? But I think you just laid out the plan there. Yeah. Yeah, I think really. I mean, if you talk to both of the guys, you know, and Arrow was there. He was at the fight, um, so we had a long conversation. He already said, "Hey, look, I'm I'm not into tune-ups. 
you know, tune-ups are guy, for guys who are not sure of themselves. I want my next fight's going to be uh, a major fight, and I want Ugas. That's all I've been telling uh, Al Heyman. Give me Ugas because um, he wants that belt. And he, he, in his mind, he believes if he can get that belt from Ugas, that's, that's, that's how he can get the Crawford fight because then he can say, I got three of the belts. Who wants to be undisputed? Then let's go. Um, and I think that's how you kind of make that fight. If it, you know, if now Crawford's got to get past Sean Porter too. Talking right now with Brian Custer from ESPN Showtime Boxing Last Stand podcast here on Unnecessary Roughness Radio Nation Radio nine twenty. And Brian, before we let you go, and this is fantastic as always. Uh, before I, I know you cover so many different sports. It's not just boxing. You do everything: college football, NFL. I mean, you you know all the sports. Yeah. Here in Vegas, the Raiders have been going through some things the last about yeah. week. Henry Ruggs. Uh, yep. We all know what happened with him. Just a terrible uh, uh, event that happened. It took a young lady's life, and we our hearts pour out to her and her family. And then Damon Arnett gets released today. He had a video going out with guns mm-hmm. talking about killing people. Just ridiculous. Brian, you're around the sports, and you're around all these sports so much. If you could tell young athletes that have an opportunity to have the whole world in front of them, if you can give them some advice, what would you tell them? Well, I think, you know, it's hard because a lot of times it depends on – the kind of program that they've come out of and how they've been treated there. A lot of these guys have really been given the keys to the castle and haven't had to really prove themselves. So once they get to the NFL level, who are you to now try to rein these guys in? You look at what Philadelphia had to do with Ben Simmons. You know, this guy was the number one pick. He never even – it's basketball. He wasn't shooting jump shots at LSU, right. but it, it it wasn't it it wasn't didn't get exposed because he was so athletic. All he had to do was just drive to the basket all the time and shoot little jump hooks and, and you know score fifteen to twenty. He becomes the number one pick. Never really works on his jump shot. Now all of a sudden it's a problem because you know their their team is good. And they're trying to advance into the playoffs, and he can't hit jump shots. And now that problem becomes exposed. He has so much pressure on him because he's in Philadelphia, and they're upset with him. And now they're trying to wonder, like, why won't this guy come and play? Well, you you guys didn't make him work when you first got him. And it's, right. it's maybe sometimes it's the same thing too with some of these guys when they come into the league. They've been they have been coddled so much when they were in college that when they come into the league they feel like you owe me all of this, and you you gotta have a really good structure in there to make sure they understand this is this is not a right it's a privilege right. to play in the NBA and to play in the NFL and I think you have to impress upon them and you got to hope that they have a good family background that can keep them somewhat humble and if they don't you get you get uh, issues like uh, you got going on right now in Vegas with the Raiders yeah, no doubt. I mean, being humble is a, is a major key. You hit it right there on the head. I think that everything that you just said basically hit it on the head. And I, I want to ask you this as kind of a follow-up. A lot of folks have said, uh, you know, well, you know, you got these young kids and a lot of money in Las Vegas and really kind of putting the blame on the city of Las Vegas. Brian, you can get in trouble anywhere. You've covered yeah, all these sports. If absolutely. you're looking for trouble, you can find it anywhere. Amen. Hey, listen, listen. Uh, I, I want to say when I was in Dallas and – Parcells was the head coach there. He used to always tell the players, 
guys, the only thing I'm going to tell you, if you're going to play for me, I don't during the season. I need you back in the house uh, by midnight because nothing good happens after midnight. Yep. Nothing good happens after midnight. And you look at a lot of these issues, whether it's 2 in the morning, 1 in the morning, whatever at the club, leaving the club, doing this, whatever, nothing usually happens, and nothing good usually happens after midnight. And I think, you know, someone needs to impress upon these young men that needs to be the rule there. Yeah, I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. I just hate to see these young men throw their lives away for one right. reason or the other. They have such an opportunity. But uh, great stuff, Brian, as always. I definitely appreciate you. The Last Stand Podcast, it's always fantastic. What do you got coming out that folks should be on the lookout for? Boots. We just did an episode with Jerron Ennis. Boots Ennis, it's on uh, drop just today, so you make sure you check that out um, uh, at Last Stand on YouTube and Apple and all that type of stuff. And then we got David Benavidez uh, dropping next week. Uh, so we, 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 we got a lot of guys. Uh, Devin Haney's coming as well. So, you know, we, we're going to keep dropping all kinds of ep- uh, episodes. And, you know, everybody who's listening, they can follow me on Twitter and IG at BCusterTV. Absolutely. And great stuff as always, Brian. I always appreciate your time and your energy. Thank you so much, and we'll be talking soon. My brother, you guys have a great day. All right, you too. Brian Custer right there, fantastic. Who doesn't need a shot of Brian Custer in their arm? I mean, dude is just spot on. It's always fun to talk. Even if you're not the biggest, like, boxing fan, what he says makes it so you understand and so enjoyable. And, and how about that advice there for the, the young men, the young athletes that are coming into, you know, their, their own in the NFL, NBA, even Major League Baseball. And that's one thing I've talked about a lot, not really here, but I've talked about it a lot in the past. When you give these guys, and a lot of these guys that are the best of the best, and they're, most of them have been the best of the best their whole life, you give them opportunities and passes in high school, in college. Guess what they're going to look for when they get to the pros? They're going to look for that pass because they always have gotten it. So I think that when Brian said that, that was spot on. Great stuff from Brian. Uh, Hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. 318 is the time. We're still here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're going to be here live on the air until 4 o'clock, but he'll be here way after that as we're preparing for Monday Night Football, the Steelers and the Bears taking on each other. It should be a, a fun way to close out. Week number nine of this NFL season. Come on by, get hooked up. We got all kind of prizes. I'm just waiting to hand them out to you. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 3.23 is the time here, live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel Casino as we prepare for Monday Night Football, Steelers and Chicago Bears will take place in a little while. We're going to be here for all the action, and you can too. Just come on by, holler at us, and uh, we'll get you hooked up with some prizes. We'll get you hooked up with the best seat in the house. There's some great great drink specials going on right now. Of course, some fantastic food specials as well. So come on by, say what's up, and uh, hang out with us for a little while here at the Underground Lounge. Coming up about 3.30, we'll have Jim Blunkett, two-time Super Bowl champion. He'll join us to talk about what he saw from the Silver and Black Sunday against the New York football Giants. But right now, very patiently on the phone lines, we have my guy, ABA Ivan Davis. What's on your mind, my man? How you doing today? Hey, how's it going, Q? Chilling, man, chilling. Another another gut punch, huh? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. Man, uh, real quick, as far as uh, uh, Mike Mayock, uh, that 51-49% I think was a joke. Definitely on group. I think that's just for the media and for us. 
okay. percentage was. I believe it because I remember Mark Davis saying Gruden must have his God. Okay, although now Mike May, I can't skate you know, 100% clearly, right? But still, I mean, uh, I, w- I think that's what will save but I think it only saves him for one year. Okay. Okay, be- and only because some of the lower picks kind of smooth evened out uh, the first round misses that some of the lower picks turn out to be actual first round picks. So I think it kind of evened it out. It's kind of backwards type of way. Okay. Uh, and uh, Deshaun Jackson, that's going to be uh, a good move. He could play this Sunday. All he has to do is run nine routes. And don't think Kansas City don't know that. Right. Okay. But if Kansas City is stupid enough, okay, he's just running nine routes, and then we'll just come up and take everything short away, then you throw it to him. Right. And he's a 14-year vet. Right. And knows how to run routes and say, okay. I mean, so, I mean, he won't be that effective, but he'll be effective enough to, to somewhat open the offense back up. Okay. No, he's not going to be able to replace Ruggs, but he's a 14-year veteran. But I think he'll do enough. The biggest thing with him is he's a big-time Raider fan. Grew up a Raider fan, and, and they tend to play harder when, when you have an opportunity to play for your childhood favorite team, kind of like uh, Marshawn Lynch and also uh, our quarterback. And if there's any car haters out there, you guys need to uh, kind of calm down. Okay, I mean, I'm all for trading cars. You can find somebody better. Every time you say that, they shut up. So find somebody better. What's the replacement? Who's available? Maybe, uh, maybe those questions could be uh, answered. And last thing before I go, uh, I'm making a special silver and black tracksuit for my basketball team. Want well, to know if I could send you and your and my other boy over there your uh, producer one? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let my man Demond uh, give you our information. We would definitely love for you to uh, get us one. Oh, okay. Well, gotta wear it though. Oh, it's already done. It's already done. I'm wearing it right now. <laughs> All right. So uh, I. I'll get the information from DeMond. Yeah. DeMond, give him that information. Thank you, ABA Ivan Davis. Appreciate you, my man. There he goes. There he goes. How you know about that? I just got hooked up with some clothes. I need all the gear I can get. Let's hustle up to the Raider Nation listener line. I do have something to say about Deshaun Jackson, but I'll do it in a little bit because I know we have Jim Plunkett coming up in a few minutes, and I want to get Lester in the bay on. Lester, what's on your mind, my man? How you doing? So, Q, yeah, thanks for taking the phone call. Hey, it's always nice hearing some good boxing talk like that, man. You like that, huh? (laughs) <laughs> I'm always, oh, I'm always here to get some good, insightful, you know, real boxing talk like that. I mean, I, in May, I mean, if it does happen, Canelo play, uh, and Charlo, and Charlo moves up to 168. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens either at AT&T and get 70,000 people over there, or in Vegas Allegiant and get another 50,000, 70,000 people. So right. that that'd be a good fight to, to be waiting up for because you know Charlo's been wanting a piece of uh, allegedly Canelo, and I'm sure Canelo said, hey, let's do it. If you move up to 168, let's get it on. So. Uh, that's good stuff. Uh, regarding the Raiders, I mean, this is, this is exactly why I don't, I, just, I don't get it, Q. I don't get it how Mayock and Gruden would take chances on character guys like that early in the first round. I mean, in a cornerback. You know what I mean? I just, I just like Arnett, we all questioned it when it happened. I'm like, well, why didn't they trade down? Yeah, Trayvon Diggs, yeah, Jalen Johnson, other guys, but yeah. you just cannot, regardless of whether or not they're going to be living in Vegas or not, you can't take gambles like that on players with character concerns in the first round i mean you just can't i mean i I just don't get it i mean granted hey you know josh shakes is playing good football you know jonathan abrams stepping it up Cleveland farrell not so much 
I mean, he just, he's just not a twitchy guy at four. That was a mistake. But, I mean, you just can't do that. And I don't know if it was on, you know, if it was on completely on Mayock. I highly doubt that, those early picks, because, you know, John Gooden and his ego, I'm sure he wanted to be involved and to handle the first two picks. But all the other picks after that, I mean, it seemed like we're, they've hit. So I think Mayock, he's hit on some. Yeah, those first rounders haven't. But let's just see what happens at the end of the season before people start screaming, fire Mayock. You know what I mean? So we've got to see what happens. This football team needs to know they've got to play Kansas City this weekend, Q. You know, they, this has got to be a big-time game. They've got to study the film big time and come out and play with leverage, good technique, and attack. You know what I mean? And let's just go. You know, like you said, Deshaun Jackson is going to be running those outside routes. You know what I mean? It's going to open up everything else, the matchups. I like to see Darren Waller on the outside a little bit more and then Moreau back inside and in line. Moreau needs to be in there with Waller. So, and I, I don't know, Q, is, is Peyton Barber active? Is he, is he still on the roster? Yeah, he's on the roster, but he wasn't active. He was inactive on Sunday. I, I love to get, I mean, because he had some juice. He had yeah. some more power behind his run. I yeah. like to get him involved a little bit more to run inside. I mean, so let's get it going. Hopefully uh, they step it up this weekend, Q. All right, thank you for the call, Lester. I appreciate you. And I'll say Peyton Barber, I believe he's uh, healing up from a, a, a turf toe injury or a foot injury, some kind of injury he had after he had that big game with the silver and black. And, yeah, he, he did have some juice, and unfortunately he's not out there right now. Uh, I'll, I'll say this about Deshaun Jackson and, uh, you know, really uh, ABA Ivan Davis mentioned it. As a 14-year veteran, if a player's called in the huddle, somebody can look over a car and say, hey, this is what your responsibility is, and he can do it. Like he said, he knows, he knows the route tree. And what Deshaun Jackson did really well coming out of Cal, and it was something he said that he trained with Jerry Rice, and Jerry Rice said, if you want to have a long career in the league, run crisp routes. You have to be a crisp run route runner. You don't have to be the fastest dude in the league. You've got to be the best route runner in the league to have longevity. And that's what Deshaun Jackson does do really well. I'll give him that. He runs some damn good routes. Now, he's not asked to run everything, but he can run everything. He knows how to run it, and he runs them clean. So if Derek Carr just says, hey, this is what your responsibility is, he can do it. He can execute it. So I don't know how much he's going to get as far as burn on Sunday night, but I do think he'll get some burn on Sunday night. I think we'll see that. Um, I'm trying to think, what else did you uh, mention that I wanted to address too? Dang it, I forgot. That's what happens. Keep on living. Keep on living, Danny. Danny looked at me. Danny looked at me and was like, what are you talking about, Q? You forgot? Yep, yep. Just keep on living, buddy. I'll get back to what Lester had to say as well, because right now on the phone lines we have Jim Plunkett, the two-time Super Bowl champ, joins us every single Monday following a Raiders game, win or loss. And, Jim, unfortunately, the Silver and Black are coming off a loss on Sunday to the hands of the Giants. And it was just a bad day for Derek Carr. I mean, he was just off on some of his passes. Uh, You saw him miss Darren Waller a couple times on some throws that he normally makes. What goes on in the mind of a quarterback when you just when you miss maybe an easy one? Do you come back and press a little bit too hard, or is it just a bad day at the office? Uh, I think it's a bad day at the office. I'm sure he, you know, he tried to contrary. You know, he threw for almost 300 yards. It's still not a bad day, but you're right. He missed some of the players that were open down the field. Uh, Waller had a spectacular day, but uh, you know, couldn't couldn't quite grab a couple of ones that uh, Garrick threw and a little off. And you know, sometimes it's the pressure getting to him. Uh, the pass rush, but uh, yeah, it wasn't his finest hour. But you know, he's going to bounce back strong. I firmly believe, and you know, and you think going into a, a game after a bye, you, you'd be more prepared, uh, be sharper. But that just wasn't the case. And you're playing a team that's struggling, uh, and if you can get on top of those kinds of teams early, you know, they kind of kind of fold their tent a little bit. But that wasn't the case with the Giants. How dangerous is that team that, like you mentioned, is struggling and, and they just want to get a W? They're at home, uh, you know, and their backs are against the wall because people are talking about they're just not a very good team. So how how, how much are that is that a dangerous team for anyone to go play? 
Oh, I, I think so. You know, especially in the city of New York, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it's tough to play there, whether it's the Giants or the Jets. I don't care who you are. Uh, and, uh, you know, and, you know, a team sometimes, you know, puts everything together. Uh, not that they play exceptionally well. You know, they were held offensively to, you know, to not very many yards, uh, relatively speaking. But, you know, the uh, Raiders just couldn't get in the ball in the end zone. Three field goals, one TD. They had plenty of opportunities, just couldn't get the job done. The Giants, you know, came up big when they had to. Uh, and uh, on that last drive, the Raiders were trying to make, getting close. But all of a sudden, you know, it just didn't pan out for them. No, it didn't, and they made six trips to the red zone. They only cashed in once with a touchdown. You're not going to win a lot of games that way. When you're trying to get your offense jump-started, and particularly in the red zone, what, what, do you, what do you have to do, or do you just keep doing what you normally do and just hope that it, it, you break out? Well, yeah, you keep doing what you normally do. You know, you, you, and, you know execution is the key. You know, get the job done from the linemen, from the backs, from the receivers, and especially the quarterback. Uh, you know, you've got to execute. Uh, you know, things you know, aren't going to dramatically change, uh, uh, you know, uh, for you if, if you're not really, you know, uh, uh, putting out, you know, the kind of effort and the execution that you need to win football games. And, you know, and sometimes you do press too hard. I think I'm sure uh, Derek was very frustrated. Uh, you know, he was offline uh, on several occasions when uh, the opportunity was there. Uh, but, you know, that's, you know, that's water under the bridge. It's time to get ready for the next game. Yeah, absolutely. Can't let a, a one loss beat them twice. I say that all the time. We're talking with two-time Super Bowl champion Jim Plunkett here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, Marcus Mariota, he came in, he had a couple plays. He uh, had a fourth down play where he was able to pick up a first down. Uh, do you think that maybe Marcus should be implemented into the offense a little bit more? Uh, you know, that's a coach's decision. You know, I don't know. Derek, you know, is having a pretty pretty darn good year. Yeah. He stumbled a few times against Chicago, uh, possibly, you know, a little bit yesterday. And, and those things happen. But, you know, I think Derek's your guy. Uh, you could put uh, Marcus in for, you know, some situations that that are beneficial, you feel, to the offense. Uh, or, or maybe you sit down, Derek, a little bit and uh, give Marcus a chance to show what he can do uh, uh, in, a, in a game or several games. You know, that's certainly a coach's decision, but, you know, uh, I think coach is going to stick with Derek. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I was just thinking maybe, you know, as a little spark, maybe even in the red zone when you're struggling a little bit, just, again, just kind of creative play call in there. But uh, as far as as the week that the Raiders had, obviously we know it was very emotional for everybody. Uh, How much of that do you think maybe played a factor in the game on Sunday, or is is it kind of business as usual once you get on the grass? Well, I think it's business as usual. Sure, you know, they're down about uh, 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 the player. Oh, God, uh, right, Ruggs. Ruggs. Yeah, yeah Ruggs. I'm sorry. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody was down. I felt bad for him and everything else. And it kind of takes the wind out of your sails. Uh, but that being said, you know, you're a professional. You get paid to do a job, and you've got to go out there and do it. Not that I'm saying that's easy. Uh, you know, I, I played in games where, you know, one of our running backs broke his leg during the course of the game, you know. And, you know, we wound up winning that game, but it kind of carried over to the next and you kind of, you know, you feel bad for what happened. So, you know, but, you, you know, as a professional, you got to put those things behind you. And it's not always easy. There's no question about it. Right. No doubt about it. We're talking right now with Jim Plunkett here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And uh, the Raiders, they made it official today. Deshaun Jackson is now a member of the Silver and Black. He's a 14-year veteran at the wide receiver position. How quickly, I know he's not going to learn the whole playbook in a week, but how quickly, especially him being a veteran, do you think he can get acclimated a little bit? Even Derek Carr just going over to him and saying, hey, on this play, this is your route. How much do you think he could contribute maybe even as early as Sunday? Well, you know, he's a 10-year veteran. You know, he's, you know I'm just looking at some of the stats. You know, he's got uh, 
uh, over 60 yards uh, uh, receiving uh, several times, 80-plus uh, yards five times. Uh, and, uh, the, guy's, the guy's a monster. I, I don't, whether how, how much he's got left, I don't know. But, you know, hopefully he'll be uh, contributed to this offense. And, uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, I've had players just come to the team uh, uh, that week and then, you know, you have to tell them the route. Here's what you do in this situation. Uh, and because uh, he's got a lot of work to do. He's got a lot of catching up to do. But, you know, he's a veteran. Uh, I'm sure he'll fill in and, and do a real very good job, hopefully. Is that ever a, a situation that you were put into where you just had to kind of tell the wide receiver, hey, this is what you do on this route? Heck, I've had to tell guys I played with for five years. To <laughs> Come on, you know, just, you know they get out there; they're little nuts out there. Uh, but yeah, certainly, you know, I've I've had players, uh, you know, come in. Uh, somebody got hurt. Uh, the guy hadn't played much or hadn't been with the team long, and you know, you got to coax them through it. Tell them what you know, you know, or tell them to stand and block this time. And uh, next time you go out on this route, but you know, you know, you've got to communicate to the players that you know are new, not familiar with the offense. Or defense, actually. But, uh, you know, you, you got to help them along a little bit. Right, no doubt about it. And, and, and Jim, one of the things that I, I've been mentioning a lot is, you know, you cannot allow one one loss to beat you twice. What does Rich Basaccia, what do the coaching staff have to do to not allow this to linger? Because they have a big game coming up this Sunday against Kansas City. Yeah, they do. Uh, you, you know, he's a, you know, he's been a long-time coach. He's professional. You know, he's got to get his team on track. Do you think with the bye they would have come out a little bit Playing a little bit better, timing would have been a little bit better after coming off a bye, more prepared going into that situation. But you know, Basashi's a long-time veteran; he's gonna he's gonna handle it the way he you know he does. You know, and you know, coaches are different. Sometimes they work them harder. Sometimes they let up on them. Uh, but they're coaching them to you know get out there, be confident. Uh, you know, know your position, know your job, uh, know every situation uh, during the course of a ball game. What you have to do, whether it's blitz, uh, uh, zone, man-to-man, whatever. Uh, you know, just reiterate, here's what you have to do in these situations, and you know, and go get it done. As far as the quarterback position goes, Derek said, hey, you know, that was on me. I turned the ball over multiple times. You can't do that. So uh, is it just, you know, him go about preparing for this week the, the same way where he doesn't think about it too much so, so he doesn't think about it and, and push, you know, just kind of go out there and be even killed like he's been all season long and just get back, back to business? Yeah, you know, that that's hopefully, you know, his mindset, you know, but you, you never know. You know, he might press too hard. Uh, he wants to get back on the wide track. He had three interceptions. That's tough to overcome. Uh, so, uh, you know, each quarterback is different. You know, he's, he's been a longtime veteran. I think he's going to go out there and handle it just fine. Playing against a very good football team seems to be playing better each and every week, uh, although they're 4-4, four and four, I, I think. and But still, they're a very potent uh, football team, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, no, they're they're playing better. Uh, actually, everyone in the league, right? Everyone in the division has has five wins. Every single team, which makes this division that much crazier. Right. Of course, this big game coming up uh, Sunday night. Final question for you: As far as this game on Sunday night, it's it's Sunday night football. It's prime time. It's Allegiant Stadium. It's a division rival. It's Chiefs Week. I mean, you really there's nothing else that you can ask for motivation. But I mean, going into a, a prime time Chiefs game, uh, what was the feelings in your mind when you were preparing? Oh, you know, this is this is it. This is you know, uh, Hollywood lights shining down on you on a Monday night game because you're the only game in town, and uh, you know you want to go out and show the the country and if not the world nowadays, uh, you know what you guys are made of, and uh, you know hopefully that's the attitude they'll take into this football game. You know they're going to be fired up. They're going to be uh, want to bounce back from that loss. 
and you know they had two losses in a row after three three wins in a row to start this season, uh, and they bounced back with two wins uh, last week. Hopefully, it was a fluke, and and they'll get back on track. Yeah, no doubt about it. That's what they got to do, get back on that horse, because Sunday night's going to come up, and, man, it's going to be a, a fantastic atmosphere, I know, and it's going to be a, a heck of a game with the division rival. Jim, we thank you so much for your time, as always. We appreciate you, and I look forward to talking to you next Monday, and hopefully we're talking about a Raiders victory. Uh, we're, that's what we all hope. Thank you again. <laughs> uh, go Raiders. Thank there, you. Thank you. There he goes, two-time Super Bowl champion Jim Plunkett, talking about what he saw Sunday from the Raiders' loss. New York football giants. It's always great to catch up with Jim. 3.40 is the time. We're still live here at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're preparing for Monday Night Football. As Jim said, the only show in town. All eyes are on you. It's Steelers. It's Bears tonight. We've got the best seat in the house for you. We've got T-shirts for you. We've got koozies, cups. We've got the Hooters calendars for you. we got some shades. I mean, everything you want, we got. Got a lot of folks sitting at the bar right now playing a little bit of video games and video poker, trying to win some dinero, plus having some nice drinks and some food provided by Hooters here at the Underground Lounge. Come on by, holler at us, say what's up, get hooked up, and watch some great, fantastic football as we close out week number nine. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. What does it mean to be a Raider? What to you, what does it mean to be a Raider? Man, being a Raider is not just being a football player. It's not about the, just the jersey or just the, just the helmet. It's about a lifestyle. It's about, it's about loyalty. It's about doing whatever you have to do to help your brothers, to help your family. That's what it's all about. It's never putting yourself above the shield. That's what being a Raider is all about. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got about 14 minutes left in today's show. Boy, how time flies when we're having fun. And we do have fun here regardless if we're talking about a win or a loss. Being here on the Raider Nation Radio flagship station of the Las Vegas Raiders is always a fantastic time. Checking in with Raider Nation is always awesome. Love getting your feedback either by way of the phone line or the text line. And we do have a lot of good text messages to get to, so I'll hustle through a few of them. 69187, keyword R&R. Had a lot of subjects that we talked about today, including Mike Mayock, if he's going to be around after this year. And I'll I'll touch on this real quick because Lester in the Bay mentioned it. I think he should get one more year, honestly. I think he should be able to show what he can do when there's not a a larger-than-life personality. Not throwing Gruden under the bus, but – you just know that he was the last guy with the final say. He rubber-stamped everything from the guy who takes the trash out at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center to the guy who lines up on first and ten. You know what I mean? Like, he was there. I'm not putting more stock in, oh, well, Gruden made all the bad decisions or Mayock made all the bad whatever. I'm not doing that. I'm just saying if you really want a good evaluation of what Mike Mayock could possibly do, see him where you feel like he's the majority. Give him one year to say. I'm just throwing that out there. I think that that would be the right thing to do. You don't want to give a, 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 a really good GM away that might have the goods if given the opportunity. You just don't want to, in my opinion. But it's just my opinion. We all know what it is about opinions. Got a text from Vegas Pete. If Raiders avoided guys with issues, we wouldn't have had the Snake, Twos, Kennedy, Gannon, Bo. You know, and that's the other thing. And I, I'm thank you for that text, Vegas Pete. And I'm guilty of it as well. I say all the time, and I believe Eric Davis said this to me when I was at a Super Bowl one time, and I've, I've, it's stuck with my heart. He was talking about the Seattle Seahawks. We were in Arizona when the Seahawks played the Patriots, and they ultimately lost. 
And I remember asking him, why is the Seahawks dynamic so good? And he said, they win with guys. They, they win with choir boys and car thieves. And you've got to have the right blend of both. You can't have a roster full of choir boys if you think you're going to win in the NFL. But you also can't have a roster full of car thieves. So I've always said, and you can go back and look at my podcast, I'm not going to run from it. I've always said the Raiders need to have a couple car thieves on their, on their roster. Well, unfortunately, one of their car thieves, Damon Arnett, turned out to be a car jacker instead of a car thief. You know what I mean? Just didn't work out. Actually, a car crasher. If he was playing, uh, if he was playing uh, whatever that, that game is, uh, San Andreas, he'd have lost. Grand he'd have been, what is it? Grand Theft Auto. Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, hey, man, look, I'm not a video game guy. But I always say, car thieves and choir boys is how you win. Well, the Raiders, like Mike Mayock said, hey, they saw the, some red flags. They saw some character issues in, in Arnett. They rolled the dice anyway. They thought that the, the risk was worth the reward. The reward was going to be greater than the risk. It, it wasn't. They, they, they missed on that one. But I still believe that you do have to have a couple edgy dudes on your squad. You got to have a couple edgy dudes, man. I'm sorry. That's just how you win games. You don't win them all with a bunch of choir boys. And that's not disrespecting the choir, choir boys. But you, there's a certain edge in this game that you got to have, at least on the – and you hope that they maintain it just on the field. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Uh, Tom chimed in. Russell Wilson? No, he's not better talking about who you're going to replace. I believe ABA Ivan Davis said, if you're going to trade Carr, who's, who are you going to go get? Tom said, Russell Wilson? No, he's not better. Joe Burrow, who would want him? Or Fields? Sure, Kansas City is regretting that Super Bowl and wish they kept Alex Smith. Who would want Herbert, too? What can you do? Rather keep Carr and win six, seven, nine wins. That's <laughs> Tom. Tom is forever anti-Derek Carr. I'm not going to throw Derek Carr out into the middle of the ocean after a, after a bad performance. You know, now look, he's got to step it up. It's November. We can talk about all the success the Raiders had in September and October. It's about what you do in November and December. It really is. Russell Wilson? Yes, great quarterback. Would I love to see him don in silver and black? Sure. But as I mentioned last week, I'm not going to change my tune over, you know, one bad performance. I said last week I think Derek Carr is the right guy for this job. I still think Derek Carr is the right guy for this job. Just got to have a better game. And it starts this week against Kansas City. Joe Burrow, he was the number one overall pick for a reason. Cincinnati had the rights to the number one overall pick for a reason because they stunk. Now they're having a good year now. Until they didn't. They got blown out yesterday, coming off a loss to the Jets the week before. So, you know, Fields, he's unproven. What have you seen from Justin Fields that made you think he's going to be the dude? What makes you – and now I'm asking this in all sincerity, Tom. What have you seen from Justin Fields that makes you say he's going to be better than Derek Carr? Please tell me what you've seen from him. Because I know it's not that game you saw at Allegiant Stadium because Justin Fields did nothing. Nothing. Yes, I know he won the other day without Matt Nagy. I get it. But let's see what he does tonight. Don't anoint the dude – before he has done nothing. He's done nothing. Please, please t point out what makes you think he's going to be the end-all, be-all. I'll wait for that one. Justin Herbert, he looks damn good. You're right. Absolutely. And I'll tell you this, and it's just my gut feeling, if he had gone out a year ahead of time, I think he would be a Raider quarterback. I honestly do. I think that the Raiders were going to draft him, and this is, again, just my gut feeling. I think there's a good chance that the Raiders drafted him if he had gone out the year before prior to what he did just just my gut feeling again i'm just that's all i'm gonna go on justin herbert looks damn good i can tell you that but justin fields eh, i don't know about that not sure about that uh also got a text from raider gone 714 
I predict this week is where we see more Mike, uh, Marcus Mariota, number eight. Rich was asked at the presser, and he replied, stay tuned. Yeah, that was my question. He shut me down, boy. <laughs> he shut me down quick. <laughs> I asked him straight up because I think – I don't remember who it was. Somebody asked him about the red zone of Marcus Mariota, and he talked about him. And then I said, you think, you think we'll see a little bit more of him? Because so many people have hit me up on Twitter and said that we don't ask these questions at the presser, which I'm glad I don't have much time left in this show because we ask the questions all the time. We might not ask them in the words that you're looking for, but we ask the questions all the time. Why did y'all lose yesterday? Man, I'm telling you, I got hit up on Sunday like, is anyone going to ask about Marcus Mariota in the red zone? Are they going to use him more? And then someone replied, no, because Vinny and Vic and Q and this, they don't have it in them. What are you talking about? But then, about? like, what specific plays are they talking? Like, do, do they have specific plays in mind? No, like, last night just, with the Titans, like, just, the Titans, they loaded up. They even had an offensive lineman in the backfield. Everybody thinks they're going to run. And then you just had Tannehill bootleg it out. Easy touchdown. The thing is, Doc. But, like, when you suffer a loss, fans want to blame everyone but the guys who's at fault. You know what I mean? It's everyone else's fault. And then all of a sudden, us who try to bring you as much good coverage as possible, we're enemies of the state because we're not asking the tough question. Now, if they had won, there wouldn't be no, oh, well, Q don't have it in them. And I'm only speaking for myself because that's all I can ever speak for. But, man, it's so funny. We try to provide as much coverage as, and we try to give you as much, not inside, because I never claim to be an insider. I just try to provide you as many facts as possible. And I love how many f- shots are fired at us immediately because the Raiders lost. Not because... Not because the press conference, they lost the press conference, but they lost the game. It's our fault. Yeah, Q, why didn't you ask, does, does Rich Basaccia think that the season's over because they lost yesterday? Right. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we ask questions that are relevant. We also ask questions that are respectful in a respectful way. Hey, man, you need to run Marcus Mariota more in the red zone. Like, we're not going to say it like that. But we will ask, and we've all asked to a T multiple times about Marcus Mariota. And the, most, the biggest issue with Marcus Mariota has been Marcus Mariota. He hasn't been healthy. So, yeah, they ran him a little bit on Sunday. So I asked again, hey, you think maybe you'll start to see him a little bit more now that he's healthy? And he said, I expect you to stay tuned. Great answer, great, by the way. Great answer. Right. And I respect that. What else do you want him to say? Yeah, Q, we're going to run him on this play, this play, this play. We're going to run him. We plan on getting him about 20 snaps. Uh, you can't say that because then other teams know that. But I love when fans get so fired up and all of a sudden it's our fault. It's like we had someone hit us up or hit me up on Saturday and try to call me, Vinny, I knew you were gonna do it. and everyone else out <laughs> because we didn't talk about Damon Arnett and his guns video. But we did. But yet, tried to call us out by name. And then when I responded very respectfully and said, actually, talked about it on the last hour of the show, and then tweeted the link to the show so he could listen himself, then all of a sudden he felt attacked. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm being attacked on the line. No, you attacked me. All I did was give you the evidence that we talked about it. But that's how fans overreact and lose their mind. I saved that for the end because I didn't want to spend too much time with it. 3.56 is the time. It's a wrap for the show, but I'm going to be here. So come on by, hang out. We're here at the Oyo, the Underground Lounge. I got a boatload of prizes, and I'm waiting for you. My mama says she's on her way, but she was just kidding. Anyway, come on by, hang out with us. We're here. Going to be watching some Monday Night Football action. Vinny Bonsignor, he's up next in the huddle, 4 to 6 p.m. This is Raider Nation Radio 920.